0: Welcome back to the Crash the Pond Podcast. It is a Tuesday, February 28th edition of the show, and we are less than what is it? Three days away from the trade deadline. There's been trades left and right. The NHL is just going crazy. There's a lot that's happening. Not so much though from the ducks perspective. And and the people want to know, Jake, what's going on? Is is Paverbeek asleep at the wheel? Are the Ducks doomed because they haven't made a trade yet? I mean, I'm oh. sure. Th- I'm sure the list of teams that hasn't that, made a trade is longer than the teams that have. The list of teams that have, but depending on where you look at,
1: it could be a sky is falling type of type of day. <laughs> depending on where you look, the fact that the Ducks won yesterday against the Chicago Blackhawks, which for some people, uh, and we can get into that a little bit also, actually, but for some people, kind of are, are doom doom and gloom in terms of the the tank and. and how how are the ducks going to get Connor bedard how are they going to do this if they're winning these games they need to be losing it and then after today the fact that uh you have all of these trades and pat Verbeek hasn't done anything yet it's kind of really given a voice to those people that are doom and gloom and to be honest i mean maybe in three days maybe they have a point but as of right now there's still plenty of time left like it's not even like tomorrow's the deadline there's still so much time left in this uh in this uh deadline period there's still so many deals that are going to be happening i mean hell today i feel like every single like minute or every like five ten minutes there was something new that was happening like something new that was popping up a new trade had popped up popped up and it almost felt like every new deal was kind of redoing uh or resetting the landscape a little bit and then Mm -hmm. you kind of sit there you wonder how much it actually resets the landscape and you kind of figure out a way to work it in and we'll get into each one, but I think a good starting point uh, actually is kind of where the day began. Cause I feel like lost in all of the shuffle of all of the deals that ended up happening was the NHL sent out a memo this morning and the memo, the weird thing that I found with this memo was a lot of the insiders, specifically Frank Cervelli and Chris Johnson, they were the ones to report it. And basically what the memo was, was from the NHL was that, Teams that were going to be trading for players that were injured, you cannot just trade for a guy, put him on LTIR, and activate him in the playoffs. That was essentially the memo that the the NHL sent out, that this would be considered cap circumvention, and and the deal would not happen. I'm searching for the exact wording of that memo um, on Daily Faceoff because Frank Cervelli had put that entire thing out there. Um, But... Oh, here we go. So the exact wording of it is it's been brought to our attention that one or more clubs may be contemplating entering into trades where a club would acquire an injured player with the intention of subsequently requesting a long-term injury exception uh, for such acquired player uh, due to an injury that existed prior to such trade. Please be advised that the league intends to closely scrutinize any such transactions, particularly where the acquiring club does not intend and, or does not retain sufficient payroll room to activate and place any such injured players on its active roster prior to the conclusion of the regular season. And two, the acquiring club intends to seek and, or subsequently uh, seeks to activate the player during the Stanley cup playoffs. So more or less what this is, is if a team were to go out and get Adam Henrique, reek uh, and they're up against the cap. So they put him on an LTIR, to the point where they're able to go over the cap through the rest of the year. And then they activate him in the playoffs where the salary cap doesn't exist. And so they did not have any cap hit for him this year in terms of, um, in terms of accruing cap hit, things like that. And this would be viewed as cap circumvention. And a lot of these insiders kind of first off identified Adam and as someone whose trade value would be impacted by this. And I was a little perplexed by this. And I think you and I were both on the same page here of this, of, First off, I don't think Henrique's going to be done for the rest of the year. I, I think it's always been week to week, right? And so maybe that takes him to the end of the year. Maybe it doesn't. But I don't think it was ever locked in that he was done for the rest of the year. And the a couple of other things on this is that I don't know how this really applied to him because he has an extra year of term on. And so he's going to be on their cap sheet in the summer. So it's not as if there is a full cap circumvention where they never have a cap hit for this guy or they don't, they go over based on their LTIR. And the final piece is all this ends up doing, and we ended up seeing this Gustav Nyquist when he was dealt because I was another player. The team just has to be cap compliant with adding that player. That's essentially what this ends up meaning is that any team that's going to be acquiring Adam Enrique cannot be up against the cap and not move money out. They have to have the money out or the, the, cap space available to be able to add Adam Henrique to their roster.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where people saw that and thought immediately, Oh, now the Henrique deal is off the table. And yeah. one, we don't know the extent of the injury. We don't know. Th- we don't know how long this will go. And for all the reasons you just listed the team receiving him to fit into this, whatever this is, this memo, would have to not would have to be basically without cap space would have to acquire him to use him for LTR purposes and then not play him in the regular season and then play him in the playoffs. Like there's just so many things that have to happen where it's just, it's just a very implausible scenario with Adam Henrique. I don't know, you know, I don't know about other players. And also, I mean, does this,
1: would this even circumvent
0: the, the CBA that I just don't know, but that's not a conversation I I don't think anyone cares to hear about right now. I mean,
1: it's one of those things that would just be like an interpretation. I mean, Chris Johnson brought up the point that the the Leafs did this with uh, Riley Nash a few years back. And so a lot of people were pointing towards the fact that teams have taken advantage of LTIR. You think of Nikita Kucherov, Patrick Kane as two prime examples. But those were players that were already on the roster. Those weren't players that were acquired um by teams at the trade deadline and so that that's kind of the key difference between this and so i feel like it's just an interpretation type of thing um i think the nhlpa would probably have a pretty good grievance about this though if this stopped a deal from happening because there's not anything written in the letter of the law that says you can't do this and and so i mean i think realistically all the that ends up happening is we're kind of in the same situation as last week right if adam reek was healthy a team trading form would have to move money Right? Like, yeah. It, it's that same situation. And so it's not as if things have fundamentally changed that, that Adam and Marie cannot be traded now. That That's not the what's happening.
0: No. No, that's not what's happening. And I just, I really wouldn't worry too much about that from a Ducks perspective. So yep. I think the, the biggest thing to talk about, well, one thing I want to add mm-hmm. is that if you look at the, the trades that happened today, and it kind of... I'm almost afraid to talk about things that
1: have happened because this this is all going to be outdated so quickly. We also just did a podcast for our Patreon last night running through but, every trade, and it feels like there were tenfold, like double the amount just in today uh, as if, compared to what we talked about yesterday.
0: If you look at the trades that have happened today, yeah. w- like tell me where the Ducks... Like tell me where the Ducks could have been the team to make that trade. The only one that I think you can really point to is the Luke Shen trade to Toronto. And even that, I don't think really... You can say that the Ducks could have made that trade because Luke Shen is a very particular player and the Ducks don't have that kind of player on their team.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I think that for whatever reason, teams valued Luke Shen. You and I both kind of disagree with that. The only trade that I look at here actually, and I think from the, here's the tough part of it. I don't know how you can get this value going towards the Leafs, but should the Ducks have maybe tried to get in on Rasmus Sandin? That would be maybe the only one, but that Should is they not, have though. I mean, they
0: have. We've we've talked a bunch that's about a how they have so many defensemen. You know, th- this whole Rasmus Sandin issue is that he wasn't getting the time that's he true. wanted in Toronto. So that that, that mean, same issue would have possibly prevailed in Anaheim.
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe that's the only one that maybe you can make the argument for. But that's a really kind of fair point. And the other thing is, you like the. The Ducks and, also have, should, and, and also, should the Ducks be trading a first-round pick? That was exactly where I was going to go with it. Is and the Ducks don't have an additional first-round pick to really be moving right now. But let's say that let us say that they would trade next year's instead. Like, no they way should not, you should no, be doing that. No, yeah. the only way that you do it is if they have they had already made a deal and they had an additional first. And so, yeah. I mean, just to kind of run through the list of trades where maybe the Ducks could have been in on it, I think Jesse Puljujarvi is one that they could have been in on. The return was pretty minimal for for the Oilers on that, but. I mean, to be quite honest, it makes sense that Carolina went after him. He's kind of seems exactly like a Carolina player. I don't know how he would have fit with. But the it's dunks. it's not like some huge miss to not get Yessie Pulleyard. No, like he's no. he's
0: probably going to end up being like a fine middle six player in Carolina. And sure, he's on the younger side, and and that's another player that you can build around in Anaheim. But again, this it's not like some death knell that you didn't get Yessie Pulleyard. Yep. So.
1: Do you think that they should have been the third team for Patrick and Patrick Kane and retained because the Arizona Coyotes got a third-round pick out of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, they could have been, and maybe they should have been, especially because it's it's not looking like they're going to trade everyone that they could retain on, but there's still that possibility that they could trade Henry Kulikov-Klingberg, right? Yep. And so... Why would you waste that bullet now on this retention if you know that, like, I'm sure Pat Verbeek knows what's close and what's not, and if he believes that he's close or that he's going to try to use this option on these three players at a minimum, then I just don't really know if this is the best way to use that that lever.
1: Yeah, and supposedly the Ducks were in talks, uh, depending on where you look that they were potentially in talks that also could have just been someone making the connection of a team that yeah. had salary cap space. Yeah. I, I don't think they were actually connected. It's just, Oh, here's a list of teams that have cap space. Yes. Also, uh, anything else that you want to kind of add on, on all the deals from today? I, I know there's an additional thing that I want to talk about with the Oilers specifically, but any anything else from kind of these types of deals that you think the Ducks could have been in on maybe no i really again
0: like this is the whole basis of what my argument here is that i just don't think that there's any deal that occurred today where you can really truly say that that is an opportunity that the Ducks should have been the one to be in on the only one that you can argue and if you want to argue that they should have been then fine is luke shen but that's that's it so so this this whole notion that they're you know standing pat that they're not doing anything that they're missing out. It's just what are they they're not missing out on yeah. anything that applies and to I, them.
1: And I also think the Luke Shen trade sets the market for a Dmitry Kulikov and also probably a Kevin Chattenkirk. <laughs> well, that's assuming that people think that those guys are as valuable as Luke Shen, which That's fair. <laughs> so the yeah. the thing I wanted to bring up though before we kind of move on to another talking point that I want to get to is one of the things someone had mentioned on Twitter today was last week I think I had mentioned that The Ducks have accrued enough space where kind of if they move guys out, they'll probably be okay from a salary cap accrual standpoint. And so I decided actually to take a look at it and look at how much money they've accrued so far and how much they have left owed to various different players and where that would end up leaving them at the end of all of this. And so so far this season. So just to kind of give everyone a a, a quick little refresher on this, um, I'll try to keep this short because this is very numbers based. And I know we're kind of a number show, but this is even more so than that. But the way the salary cap works is it breaks down over a, I think 182 day period. So for every day of players on the active roster, they accrue their salary cap hit at one over 182. And so at a certain point you accrue that. And when you trade them, you're not just, you're not trading their cap hit. You're trading whatever is remaining on that cap. hit. And so over the course of this season, the ducks have accrued 519 three two million dollars on their salary cap and the salary cap for 61 million and so i was just kind of curious and did did a couple math couple numbers looked at how much was remaining um for various different things and the ducks overall this season have a cap hit of uh 68.6 and so if you were to remove kind of for that uh extra amount if you were to just completely remove um Uh, Kevin Chattenkirk, if you were to remove Dimitri Kulikov's remaining accrual, and if you were to reduce Adam Henrique to half of his remaining accrual, and John Klingberg to half of his his remaining accrual, the Ducks would end up being at, at the end of the season, 65.59 mil. So they would be well above that 61 million. That's not considering adding on players um and adding on their accrual so for anyone wondering kind of where the ducks would be at it once they move out all this money from a salary cap accrual perspective they still will be fine i mean if we if i end up finding um john gibson on this list and i take him out also let's just zero him out completely the ducks are at 64 million still so they've still ended up like accruing enough space over the course of the year that they're going to be fine no matter what they end up moving out, moving out. The salary cap floor is not a concern of mine this season. Is anyone who was raising this concern? Uh, some, I saw some people on Twitter basically saying, because if you purely look at like money wise and just looking at AAVs, the ducks are at 68 million. If they move out a certain amount of salary, Gibson, Klingberg, things like that, that AAV that they have left is not that high. and is below the salary cap, uh, floor okay do you get what i'm saying yeah i mean i don't share this concern okay it was something that just was worth putting the numbers out there i think okay so that was it
0: okay well let's move on so yep. reali- realistically now mo- looking forward we can just do a quick kind of overview here of what is still possible so the ducks haven't traded anyone and oh anyone that's kind of on this trade deadline list do you think that this that it still gets done? That we still see a John Klingberg, Dimitri Kulikov, you know these kind of trades that we've been
1: expecting. Do you still see that happening? Yes, and the reason for that is actually something that happened today. The Ducks claimed Scott Harrington. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Harrington. Yes. His, uh, yeah, they claimed him. He was uh, someone that was traded along with Timo Meyer to the New Jersey Devils from the San Jose Sharks, and. Essentially, he has one year left on his deal. Um, so he's a UFA at the end of uh, UFA this summer. Basically, just seems like a warm body that the Ducks are adding to their team. Not someone that's going to be here long term, 29 years old, someone that they're just adding to to be there. And so, with him coming onto the roster, the Ducks have a 24 uh, man roster, and you have to cut that down to 23. Um, uh, you cannot be working at over a 23 man roster. So, I mean, potentially they just put Anthony Stolars on, on IR tomorrow. But to me, this is a complete sign that the ducks are looking to move at least one of Klingberg, uh, Kulikov, Shattenkirk, if not more. And then they have, you also have Hellison come up and, and take a roster spot after that.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you're not an NBA fan, so this won't resonate with you, but I'm sure people, some people listening might get this. Brian Woodhorst had that, uh, that that moment on sports center over the summer of now why might they do that or something like that and Mm -hmm. it's like it's like a funny gift now and as soon as i saw the ducks claim harrington today i was like hmm why might they do that and i think that it's a pretty reasonable inference that they're bringing in another warm body who can play the, the 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 remaining stretch and then they can ship someone out like yeah sure there's the counter argument of well you know Stoller's goes to IR, blah, blah, blah. But I see this more as, yeah, they're kind of just laying the groundwork for what this blue line is going to look like after Friday.
1: Yeah, I I think the Stoller's IR thing is potentially just to make it work for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. I mean, Stoller's, I don't know if you said, but he is on IR, so. No, oh, did they play
0: someone on IR? That's what Cap Friendly says.
1: That's new. That wasn't like that earlier. So they're actually,
0: they're at 23 out of 23. Okay, so that,
1: that happened today, then, because uh, they were at twenty four out of twenty three. But still on,
0: on the Catholic. on the active roster, they have one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so it still seems a little odd that they would just
1: you know carry eight defensemen. Yeah, like it, it definitely is odd. I mean, I think they could easily ship out a bunch of guys, and you have, I mean, hell, there's even Michael delzato in in the AHL that could come yeah. up and play games. Like, but but I like think Scott Hamilton w- he'll be a duck down the stretch. Yeah, I mean he. He would have to go on waivers again if the Ducks yeah. wanted to put him in the AHL. And so I mm-hmm. think that essentially they could bring up some guys in addition to Scott Harrington. I think that maybe they just weren't comfortable with bringing up too many guys and they thought Harrington was a bit of a better option than some of those other guys. But to answer your original question, I think that John Klingberg is for sure gone. I think Dimitri Kulakov is most likely gone. And I also think Kevin Shattenkirk is probably most likely gone. And there was a hmm. uh, we'll get, uh, let's just go hmm. to it right now. The, the 32 Thoughts podcast, the massive kind of trade yeah. deadline dump episode. Shout out to their timestamps, by the way. Yes, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Um, but they the Ducks portion was kind of interesting. And I'll just kind of go to my, I mean, I might as well just reread what I put out there on Twitter because I kind of put you, out some of the. You were the stenographer for the podcast. Yeah, 100% um but one of the interesting things was when they mentioned i mean they mentioned klingberg they mentioned kulakov they also mentioned bull i thought that was fascinating about just kind of in passing about the the guys that are probably going to get moved out um but they said the interesting thing on kevin chad kirk is they're they're wondering if maybe he ends up staying and, and ends up getting an extension because you have to have some guys still there at the end of it all yep um and i think You could do worse than Kevin Shattenkirk. I know that he gets a lot of flack from different Ducks fans. And last year he was just absolutely horrible. This year he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad. And I think you do a lot worse in terms of a cheap extension um, as your sixth defenseman. I don't know.
0: I think – I don't think he's – I don't know if it's a smart play to keep him around uh, personally. I don't know if it's a great – I just don't think – I don't know if it's a great use of a roster spot. Like, yes, he can still do things – And you could, you can do worse. Like he is not the worst defenseman in the NHL, but he, just watching him play, and you know the numbers aren't bad. But he is just the mobility. Do you put anything
1: into the locker room side of it?
0: Sure. I mean, I get that that matters, and I get like, if you want to talk about off ice leadership, blah blah, blah, then yeah, of course you keep him. He seems very well liked. He seems to be kind of the quote unquote adult in the room. This and that. I, I I am totally sympathetic to that. But just looking at his play from an eye test perspective, from a numbers perspective, like it's not super awe-inspiring. And maybe that there is this argument that, hey, if there's a new coach that comes in, he'll look better. And I think that that's totally in play. So, yeah, I guess I am mostly fine with him coming back um, on a a cheap extension because it will be a cheap extension. I just don't think it's this like, ah like low-key smart move.
1: My, I mean, my view of it is here's, I think if the, if Pat Verbeek really does like him from a, an in-room locker room perspective and thinks that he still helps on the ice somewhat from a, and consigned to a cheap, cheap extension, I think that's something he should do in summer. And I think he, if he can get something yeah. of value in return for Kevin Shattenkirk, that should be the route that's taken.
0: Yeah. I, I think that Shattenkirk still does some things well. It's just the, the big problem with him
1: is just the mobility and yeah. how, how fast that that's going. So, yep. Um, All right, so here are the tidbits from the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, Elliot Friedman had mentioned that he thinks the Ducks, and said this pretty matter-of-factly, that they're going to try and move Comtois, which I I think was fascinating that kind of this hard and fast that they are moving Comtois. Well, they're going to try to. They're going to try to. So I I do find that
0: interesting because Max Comtois for all – I feel like we've spent so much time talking about Max Comtois. Imperfect player. Has potential still, I think, even at, at age 24 now. But it just might be one of those situations where you got to just move on. And maybe the Ducks, now with Martin Madden and the pro scouting department, are able to go identify kind of another similar age range player that just needs to change scenery and bring him in as a reclamation project and under a new yeah. coach actually fulfills that. Like, I just don't know if there's this big harm in trading Max Contois. I would prefer to see him next year without
1: Dallas Higgins as his coach. But, I mean, I kind of think no matter what, he's gone. I think if they aren't able to make a trade for him, I think he's just not qualified. Really? I mean, if they're this dead set on moving him. Yeah. Like, why would they not just do what they did with Sam Steele?
0: His qualifying offer is also, like, not negligible. It's 2.4 mil, so. Yeah, I I could see him
1: just not qualifying him and him becoming a free agent over summer, and they just say, okay. Man. We can find that on... I mean, I've said that a bunch now that I think that he just doesn't get qualified. The disrespect
0: to the once 16 goal slash 23 goals in an 82
1: game pace yeah. player. <laughs> I mean, hell. Remember when there were people that said they, the Ducks could not trade him? Was this after the COVID season? This was after the COVID season. So when he was putting had put up that goal total and I think you and I were heavily saying have him in the, the Eichel trade.
0: Yeah, and there were people that so said high. he
1: should not be in, in that Eichel trade, that there's no way the Ducks should be looking to move on from him.
0: Yeah, I've I've been saying this not really tongue-in-cheek, kind of seriously, that I kind of want to see the Habs trade for him and just have him be the next Marty St. Louis reclamation project. Yeah. And then I could just rub it in that he's good yeah. now.
1: Yep. So, All right. So the other thing that the next thing that Friedman mentioned was he thinks that Lucas Dostal is ready to play, which I thought was interesting that – mentioned that right away and the ducks are going to try to move gibson or Stolars. and gibson is obviously much more difficult uh to move but the line to quote unquote the lines are in the water he also stated that he's sure gibson would love a trade and the ducks would love to move him yeah which is just i mean
0: he's said basically almost the same thing before and he's he's said almost the same thing before verbatim on the ducks podcast so not really anything new there, but it is interesting how that's just not going away. Because I feel like yeah. before, you know, we would get these reports and then they would just kind of die out. I I would be shocked if Gibson was traded before Friday, but I would be less shocked than I would have been like last year, for example.
1: Hell, a week or two. A week ago, I thought yeah. it was a 0% chance he was getting moved at the deadline. The, like and the fact that it's being talked about this much is is interesting. The fact that I think that there's maybe what, a 10 to 15% chance? That, that he gets moved. Yeah. Like that's kind of wild when you think about, yeah, we were, I was probably at 0%. Um, yeah. And he said he, wa- uh, Elliot Freeman wondered if the ducks look at extending Kevin Chadkirk because they have so many UFAs on the blue line that will most likely be shipped out. Um, and then on Adam reek, Elliot Freeman, uh, said he thinks that there was talk about him before he was hurt. And he wonders if Carolina would be interested in him. I mean, so they, they're still in play for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Jesse pull you RV, really no. negates them going after anyone of value. And that's really been the only deal that the hurricanes have made. Right. I can't really think of another one, another deal that they've made no. so far.
0: And I mean, I still think Vegas makes a lot of sense for him yes. too. I mean, so
1: Edmonton supposedly sniffing around.
0: Yeah. I feel like Edmonton is not done for some reason. No. And so I mean, Toronto might not be done. Well, the, the issue with Edmonton is just, I don't know if Henrique will go there because of his no yeah. trade clause. Yeah. Um, Toronto, I mean, how could Toronto even make I need to see their cap space, but I don't know. I don't really understand what the Leafs are doing to be quite honest with you. They're just trying. Yeah. It's a lot (laughs) of stuff. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. And like, it's almost like they got excited that they made a good trade with Ryan O'Reilly and they're like, Oh, we're just, we're just going to keep rolling the dice here. We're just going to keep, uh,
1: taking more cracks at the slot machine. And it's like, eh, you probably should have just walked away at a certain point. Yep. So, and the final point was Jeff Merrick kind of wondered if there's a team out there looking for like a bottom six type player. He's like Sam Carrick, um, yeah. would be an interesting person for them to add on a very team friendly deal. I mean, if the Ducks could get something from Sam Carrick, like that'd be a good return or like a really good move for them to make because this is a guy that was a career AHLer that they've kind of built up, become an NHL or gave him a new contract. And if they can get some sort of future out of him, that'd be huge. Yeah. So this, this would be Dallas Aiken's
0: finest contribution to the Ducks franchise. It's just going to bat so hard for Sam Carrick and basically willing him into the NHL that the Ducks eventually get a draft pick out of it.
1: Yeah. And so one thing I want to do before we go to a break and we'll get to questions uh, after that break but kind of looking at some of the trades today and, and trying to kind of parse through where some guys might go. And I think at least just trying to focus on, on we talked a little bit of Adam and Reek. I think Kulikov and Shattenkirk are a bit all over the place. Same thing with Bolu. It's just, I feel like any team could be in on those types of guys. But I think looking at John Klingberg specifically, I think the team that really sticks out for me is the Oilers. And at first kind of when that, the Matthias Ekholm trade came down, the first thought, right, was, well shit, there goes the the location for uh for John Klingberg. They're not gonna go after him now. They've given up their first round pick. But Matias Eckholm's a left hand shot defenseman, and he can play either side, but he is a left handed shot, and supposedly the Oilers are still looking for a right hand shot defenseman. And that and I mean we've heard it so many times, I think, from Elliot Freeman now that the Oilers players have gone to management and say they feel like they play at their best when there's a guy that is able to move the puck quickly. And somebody's able to play with them and play at that pace and have high skill. And that's what John Klingberg is. And so I really wonder if that, that's just the match there. And eventually there's a deal to be had as a result of that. Well, Matias Ekholm is no slouch at moving the puck. No, so. no, 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 no. Yeah. But, but what I'm getting at is that kind of add, if they're looking at to add a right-hand shot, they've also now lost Tyson Berry, And so they've lost their power play one quarterback and while John Klingberg has not been doing that on the Ducks, the Oilers are a little bit of a different animal where he could really help or really kind of fit right in on that first power play unit for them is something that he's done kind of in the past. Something that, quite frankly, Dallas Aiken should have done a while ago is put him on that first power play unit. With yeah. Um, but I, I think that there really is a good match there.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at their blue line right now, Darnell Nurse, Matias Ekholm, Cody Ceci, Brett Kulak, Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberg and Vincent Darnay is up right now from the minors, but I like that looks pretty fleshed out to me, but I do think that they would probably like to have just one more guy in that mix that they can really trust.
1: Well, especially and, if they lost their power play, their power play quarterback, yeah,
0: exactly. Cause now you have a lot of guys who can just kind of move the puck who can defend, but you don't really have that guy with just a little extra offensively. And maybe that's where Klingberg comes in. So, I would like to see that. Heck, I would just like to see that from a just pure fan of the sport yeah. perspective because that would just be fun. Well,
1: and I also think from John Klingberg's been through the ringer in Anaheim, I think moving teams was not easy for him. I think trying to learn a new system, everything that's come along with that, while being on this one-year deal that has high pressure, it just it hasn't worked out. And being in a spot where, with Anaheim where there just hasn't been structure, and it's really tanked his value from a contract perspective, I think, long-term. And I really think him going to Edmonton is some way that he could recoup a lot of his value in terms of being on the free yeah. market. And, and really, if he has a good end to the season and a really strong playoffs, like he's going to be able to use that to be able to get a really nice contract. And I think just from the perspective of he seems like a good guy from everything that we've seen and maybe took a bad bet not taking that deal in Dallas that he had on the table. Yeah. and i think at least him being able to get something to to help himself out and help his family out. i think that that is i think what i would want to see and, and that would be something that would do right by him yeah agreed yep um the final piece of news before we get to our break henry Thrune was traded henry Thrun's signing rights were traded sorry yes henry i'm Thrun's so signing sick rights. of this misnomer his <laughs> signing rights were traded to the san jose sharks for a third round pick I mean, yep. really, really nice piece of business. Henry Thrun was a fourth round pick. The Ducks were able to get a third round pick out of it. Um, I guess it's still unknown whether he will sign or not. But I guess for, I think I it saw. It sounds Shang... like the, there's some optimism that he'll sign with the Sharks. Yeah, and maybe it's something where Todd Marchant is their uh, director of player development now. He was with the Ducks prior to this year. Yeah. So maybe stole there's Henry familiar... Thrun from maybe. the Ducks. But. I mean, some people are wondering why would he why would he sign with the Sharks and not with the Ducks. They're in such a worse uh, situation than the Ducks are, all that type of stuff. Yeah, but it's not about that. It, it's about getting playing time because for him, it's about getting on the ice, getting in the NHL, getting that time to be able to build himself up. And, I mean, with the, the Ducks, I mean, look at the bevy of defensive prospects that they have and how hard it's going to be for him to make the NHL as a result of that. It's going to be hard. Whereas yeah. with the Sharks, he goes there, and he's their number two defensive prospect. Behind yep. Shakir Mukumadoulin. Like they the, the Sharks just went and added two of their or their two best prospects uh to their D pipeline uh in the last couple days. And so it, it's just I, I think it makes sense why he would go there. I think a lot of people wanted when this first happened to compare him to Justin Schultz, and it's just a completely different situation. The fact that he gave the Ducks this notice allowed Pat Verbeek to get a third round pick back for him, which is actually better than what the pick was that they took Henry throne. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure they'd rather have him, but 100%. Yeah. But, but they're able to get some value back and that's kind of how you want to see this happen. When guys decide to exercise their right uh, to do this, what, um, I think I had said that there was a signing rights
0: trade last season. I forget what the Jack McBain was 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 a second round
1: pick. Yeah. So, but I think Jack McBain was a little bit, uh, higher tier, higher tier.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think overall it's just it's a win-win. Everybody wins. Henry yep. Throne gets to go to the best situation for him, yep. for his career. Yep. And let's face it, like guys want to get paid. They want to be. And how do you get paid? You get opportunity. And yep. it's hard to get paid when you're the eighth defenseman or whatever. So yep. And the Ducks get a pick. It's just nobody loses here.
1: Yep, exactly. And, I mean, you look at the left side for the Ducks, right? Fowler, Fowler. Uh, fowler what is it zellweger's left hand also and yeah, minchukov minchukov also like there's a bunch of prospects on that left side along with cam fowler being signed for the ducks for a long time and and so it just it makes yeah. it tough right you could go down the and, list like and there's, there's other names. also left hand shot
0: yeah tyson hines like you could just keep going down the list and not all of those guys are going to become impact Correct. players or what have you but it's all of them are higher, I would say, in the pecking order. Maybe not all of them, but, like, at least Manchukov and Zellweger are higher in the pecking order than um, than yeah.
1: Henry Thrun. So, yep. it's just how the cookie crumbles. Yep. All right. So, time for a word from our sponsor. So, breaking news. Manscaped is now selling beard products. That's right. They've gone from waist to face to help you replace that bulky razor with the brand-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Manscaped helped you get the golden rod of a Greek god. And now they've created the best tools for you to turn heads with a clean, perfectly groomed, and conditioned beard. Finally, tame your mane by going to manscaped.com and using our code CTP for 20% off plus free shipping. This kit's about to change your life. The Beard Hedger uh, Pro Kit has made it easier than ever to craft your signature look. This kit will take your facial hair anywhere from Gandalf to totally bare. It, will start with the, it all starts with the Beard Hedger, this thing as a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, it this waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair uh, cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. And I can tell you this. I have a couple different trimmers, and I have so many of those add-ons, and trying to look at them and figure out which length they are <laughs> is miserable. And just having this one that you just spin a dial, it's so nice. And so with yeah. those 20 lengths... It's never been uh, so easy to find your signature beard look. Plus, the trimmer has a titanium uh, coated T-blade that is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction. One stroke at a time. And the Pro Kit has, is more than uh, just a trimmer. It comes with the dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care. It has the beard shampoo and conditioner. All your hair is different and your beard is much more coarse and easier to damage. That's why the kit has shampoo and conditioner specifically designed or specially designed to moisturize, reduce incrone hairs and replenish your natural oils, promoting beard health. The kit also has the has Manscape's beard oil. The nutrient infused oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while also while adding a little shimmer and shine uh, to liven up the look. And you cap it all off with beard balm, uh, the pomade that shapes, styles and moisturizes, uh, bringing the amazing scent of fresh eucalyptus, rosemary and lavender essential oils. The Pro Beard Kit comes with three gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with our code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code CTP. The Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit, the premier solution to face grooming. There you go. Go check them out. Yep. Used it yesterday and took it all the way down. Works great. Took it all the way down. Yeah. What could that
0: mean? Okay. What?
1: It's on my face.
0: <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. Not down your body. No, like I took it to towards... the lowest
1: to the lowest setting.
0: Okay. That's what you meant. Okay. Yeah. No no problem. <laughs> Alright, so uh, uh, we've sufficiently covered the trade deadline topics here. Henry Thrun.
1: I'm trying to think what else there is. The only here. thing I want to add, I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. Oh, there is one more thing, but but okay. you go ahead. I, I tweeted this out. Uh, Scott Wheeler put out a really fun thing. Tristan Leno is now leading the QMJHL in scoring by defensemen, or at the time of that tweet, and I was just curious because I was like, Pavel Manchukov's had a great season, so is Olin mm-hmm. Zellweger. I wonder where they rank. Pavel Manchukov leads the OHL in scoring from a defenseman, and Olin Zellweger was 4 points back of leading the WHL and that's while being or having played significantly less games because of going a world junior. And so on a points per game basis, he leads it uh leads the WHL in scoring. So the Ducks have three of the best defensemen in each of the three major junior leagues. Yeah. Like this is that's uh, exciting. It, yeah, it's really really exciting. Okay. So, that was it. Just wanted to mention that. I do want to give a little bit of flowers.
0: Okay. A lot of flowers. Okay. Kudos. Okay. Uh affirmations. No, there's a there's another one. Anyway, doesn't commendations. John Gibson named the NHL's third star of the yeah. week. And just some crazy statistics right yeah. now with John Gibson. Like, here's one for you. He has the most saves by an NHL goaltender through his first forty one games in a season since Jacques Plante in 1963-64. Like, that is 60 years. 60 years is a long time for this record to be touched. Um, Last week, in the three games that John Gibson played, he made 143 saves in those three games, including two 50-plus save performances, and he is in rarefied air. He has, so far this season, six 50-plus save performances, one shy of gump worsley's record of 7 and this is back since save percentage was tracked so these are all going back to like the 60s 50s it's a crazy crazy thing that he's doing right now yeah. and and keep in mind these are like volume stats so it's not necessarily he's stopping uh, you know super high percentage of, of pucks although he has been in these games cuz it's it's pure volume these these records but it still just goes to show the historical degree to which John Gibson has been under siege. And honestly, for him on a human level, I'm happy to see him get some success in this just brutal environment for a goalie and hell, it might actually get him traded. It might actually get him out of town because I feel like it doesn't seem like it's a coincidence that the the Gibson trade buzz is picking up as his game is picking up.
1: Yeah. Like I, I think that he's on a really good streak right now. I mean, basically starting with the game in Florida. He's on a three-game bender where he's at 1.24 GSAX, 1.78 GSAX in Washington, and then 3.19 against the Hurricanes. And so, I mean, he's had these types of stretches throughout the season, about three or four games where he would be absolutely on it. And even some of the games where maybe he's at, like, negative .28 against Pittsburgh, but they got shelled. So the fact that he was even that close was kind of nuts. And and so – He's he's on a really nice stretch right now. And I think that you're kind of spot on that he's eight like it's funny that's happening right now, right at the trade deadline when yeah. I mean I wonder if he's being told like his name's being talked about and but teams aren't sure if his game's still there. Well and the the, so, the concern has been the injuries, which is interesting. Has it?
0: Well, that's what's been reported. Oh,
1: sorry, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which which is fascinating when you look at it, right? Because when was the last time he missed a significant amount of games due to injury?
0: I feel like it's well. I mean, it happens every season where he mits he misses a little stretch because of an injury. But I feel like it's actually been a
1: while since he sustained a significant injury. Yeah, I mean, he played. He's played forty one games this season. He played fifty six games last season. He played thirty five games in the the COVID season, which was what a fifty some odd game season. Yeah, fifty six. He played fifty one games in the nineteen twenty season, which was a seventy game season. Played fifty eight games in the eighteen nineteen season. Played 60 games in the 17-18 season. Played 52 games in the 16-17 season. Like, he's had stretches where he gets hurt a little bit, but he's never out for extended periods of time. Yeah. Which is like, sure, maybe your concern is that the the buildup of all these shots and it's a long-term essentially wear and tear on his body, sure. But in terms of him being injury-prone where he's going to miss significant portions of time, that's just not the truth. He
0: sustained a lot of minor injuries over the years and some more significant injuries earlier in his career. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a fair concern if you're the acquiring team, which is, hey, this guy has a lot of miles on his body, and he has been through wear and tear. And the thing is, you're not getting him as a rental. You're getting him for the next four years. Yeah. And so you do have to factor in the risk that he just falls apart. Um, That's very real. But at the same time, like we're kind of just seeing what this guy can be and I, like it's it's weird because I usually don't buy the kind of like oh now he's motivated narrative right because I think players are always motivated to to do their best they're yeah. all they're always incentivized because of various reasons but man it is just like the Patrick Kane thing got me thinking that a little bit ago oh yeah and now Gibson like of course if like oh, these guys are human beings and of course yeah. it has to factor in to some degree now John Gibson has done this before absent you know a trade possibility before but it is just interesting at at what point at what point in time yeah
1: he he's been a streaky goalie for uh, especially for the last couple years where he'll go on an absolute bender for five six seven games and then have another five six seven where he's just not great and i think that's kind of been the story of john gibson for the last couple of years i mean i i think a lot of people uh, i think the one thing that's happened over the last couple of days is some people have kind of almost tried to do a gotcha on Gibson, right? And said, for those people that said he's taken a downturn, Mm. that type of stuff, that this is a sign that that's not the case. And I kind of look at him like, yes, he's had a really good stretch, but he's also had some poor stretches. And I mean, last year he had a similar thing. Like, I think a lot of people kind of forget that he had a really, really poor stretch post-All-Star game last year. When he came back from COVID, basically. And the Ducks were in a playoff spot, and he was so poor over that stretch that that took them out of the playoff spot. Yeah, like that poor stretch from him where he could not make saves for them, took them out of a playoff spot. And yeah, you think to, back to those games. I think it was against Nashville or Chicago,
0: or he was letting in just floaters from the s- point, slap shots from the wing off the rush. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and Winterboard brings up, isn't that goalies though? They're anomaly anomalies at times. I was like, a- and yes, for sure, goalies are going to have hot and cold streaks, um, but the best goalies in the league are able to limit those cold streaks to a game or two and keep the hot streak going, and or, just, kinda- or just
0: keep a consistent. Level of play that doesn't necessarily yes. have to be white hot, just yeah. just good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. And, and so, I mean, DB Lowry says he was so good before the All Star game last year. Yes, he was, he was. <laughs> and, and that's for sure a point. And they won games because of him. So maybe you want to have the give and take, but still, like you, you need a goalie that can be that. So to kind of get back to to where we're at, this hot streaks happening at the perfect time because yep. uh teams are going to see this, see how he's playing. And think, okay, if he leaves, um, leaves Anaheim, is in a better system, which I think is a valid point, and it's something that we've talked about a little bit here and there. But you look at his numbers in Anaheim once Dallas Akins came, and it's kind of fallen off. And so I don't like. I don't think you can put all the blame on Dallas Akins. I don't think you can put all the blame on John Gibson. I just think the system doesn't work to his strengths but he's also not thriving on top of well i also just
0: feel like his game hasn't really grown in the last three years it just doesn't there's there's stylistic issues with him that kind of contribute to this hot and cold nature and it just doesn't seem like that's ever really gone away so anyway he's playing really well maybe that'll get him if man if he gets traded before like by friday i will be
1: floored like i I will I will still be floored, even though it's like, I understand it's a possibility. Should I just throw out my uh, my speculation trade that I've put in Discord? Yeah, let's hear it. It is Gibson and Klingberg to the Oilers. <laughs> and coming back, the Ducks would have to take Jack Campbell back yeah, in order to make the money work. And the Oilers are able to get out of that contract. And by doing that, the Ducks are able to get... I mean, they've the Oilers now traded away their first, so that kind of... Are the Ducks retaining on both Gibson and Klingberg here? Uh, They're retaining on Klingberg, not retaining on Gibson. Ooh. Well, they're taking Jack Campbell. It's the same exact amount of time
0: on yeah. the contracts.
1: And yeah. so it's saving 1.4. Um, I mean, the, the thing was, I was having Jesse Puyarvi, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and I think whoever their top prospect is right now, um, Xavier Borg- Borgal. Or, I guess we should remind that, Gibson
0: does have a no trade clause. True. And it's a but, 10 team, no trade list. So, but
1: I mean, do you think he, how would bad say no does to, he want out? <laughs> do you, th- well, not only that, but do you think that he would go like, he would say no to going to play with McDavid? Well, I mean, the thing is he's on a
0: long-term deal, so it's not just going to play with McDavid. It's living in Edmonton, Alberta that, for the next fair. four years,
1: but it's so all, I mean, McDavid signed for three more years.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, <laughs> the reality is I don't know.
1: Yeah, and so there's been – people have thrown out Buffalo. B. Dottles is bringing that up. I don't necessarily see the connection there personally. I, I think that that doesn't make sense for their contending timeline, especially with the fact that they have some goalies in their system that, that they like. And so I don't really see that as a connection. I mean, maybe Colorado, but I don't think Colorado really sees goaltending as a priority Yeah. When they, they won with Dar- Darcy Kemper last it year. It
0: would be quite the reversal for the Abs when they just prove that you can win a cup with basically an average goalie to then go and trade for yeah. like a star goalie. Well, I mean, I don't know.
1: Would Pittsburgh? I mean, Pittsburgh's the Pittsburgh easy is to make.
0: is a much better argument because Pittsburgh just does weird, funky stuff, and that yeah. doesn't really make sense timeline wise. Oh, another thing I just wanted to quickly touch on. Sure. Dimitri Filipovich wrote about this today. <laughs> and we've we've gone back and forth about it. I tweeted about it. Cause it caused a shitstorm in my mentions for a 24-hour phase. So Timo Meyer got traded to the New Jersey Devils and he's a 26-year-old, you know, in his prime winger who is about to be an RFA and he doesn't fit the Sharks contending window because they're so bad and he it it's he's a very good player but he just doesn't fit and the ducks have a similar player on their roster not saying skill wise but just kind of where he is in his career and that would be one troy terry he's 25 he will be 26 in september he's an rfa this summer and the ducks are sure they're they're not as far off as the sharks are but they are still, it, it looks like they could still be far away from contending. And yeah, I think that I'm not, I'm not advocating for this. I want it to be very clear. I don't think that this is necessarily what the Ducks should do. But if you are a Pat Verbeek who is in charge of, of I mean, you, basically this is on you, how this turns around. I think in doing your due diligence, you actually, you, you do at least need to consider the possibility of trading a Troy Terry and what that could do for your long-term outlook. Because here's the deal. Terry, his qualifying offer would be one year, 1.55 million, and then he's a UFA. So the possibility of trading him to a team where they could possibly retain control long-term, like that's a that's a shrinking window right now. Maybe Terry just wants to test UFA, but all this to say that I, I just don't think that you can rule it... Com- rule it out completely if you're the gm of the team
1: yeah i i mean i'm on the same same spot as you i mean i had brought this up what was it three months ago four months ago early on in the season and it was kind of more so a not a plea but a, a thought of letting akins go because kind of if you don't let him go you don't necessarily know what you have and you're wasting a season of terry and a prime season of terry which is i mean at the end of the day what's ended up happening this season yep um and so it really depends on when where your contending window is, like if you if Pat Verbeek thinks that he has the moves in place to make the Ducks a play a, uh, a team that could be pushing for the playoffs next year, with the draft pick acquired this year with moves that he's going to make. Well, let's call it season, within the next two years. Then I think that you obviously keep Terry because that means that he's what twenty four going to be twenty five. No, he is twenty five. He's going to be 20- twenty six this year. Sorry. Yeah, 20 going to be 26 this year. Yeah, so he's like, it, he he weirdly got older on us. Yeah, it really came quick. Um, but he's going to so he's going to be 26 at the start of next season. I believe is what it is. Um Yep. And yeah, born in September. So we'll be t- That's what I so, said. Yeah, I am just, just talking to you right me. now. That's fine. I, I'm listening. Uh Mr. Uh, second round pick is three or five picks after the first round pick? Hey, that's uh, not me <laughs> just blatantly not listening to what you said, but carry on. <laughs> Um, so they'll get in terms of the playoff contending or pushing for playoff spot is age 26, 27 season. Then 28, 29, 30 will be contending window like that. That's doable. And that makes sense. If you are pushing that out even further where the, you're not going to be contending until you're not entering the contending window for another four or five years when Trevor Zegers is what? 25, 26. And yep. Terry's 31 if that's where this ends up being at, like then I think you have to look at it because then you're trying to recenter it, the team around the, the Zygris window, because Zegras is going to be on the upper age of it. Instead Potentially of being, the Bedard window. Yeah. Like, and, and so it really depends on that, that platform and where Pat Verbeek views this going. And so yeah. I, I think kind of at the end of the day, where you and I are both at is that I think that there is a way this can turn around pretty quick for this team next season with the proper moves. And I think with that being the case, you keep Troy Terry, but like you said, everyone's movable. Like no one is locked in. Like everyone has a price. And I think that you would be dumb not to at least know what the price is. I mean, it genuinely sucks because I feel
0: like Troy Terry, if he were traded would in some ways get a raw deal because he was their best player. He's been their best player for a couple of years now. Yep. I mean, you could argue longer than that. And He had to deal with a bunch of crap trying to work his way up the lineup when he should have been in the lineup. And he's been nothing but an exemplary worker, basically. I mean, he's worked his way all the way up from being a fifth-round draft pick, working his way through the minors, working his way through a coach that didn't believe in him, all the way to being a two-time All-Star. And I just feel like, you know, this is now me getting a bit on my soapbox. But from an organizational culture standpoint, there is just so much value in having a guy like that around. Because... Just from listening how he speaks from what he's done like that is the kind of thing that you want to preach to your younger players hey look at this guy he was a mid-round draft pick and now he's an all-star and he's but you know by all accounts a good teammate he's a leader like that's what everyone should aspire to be and i i do think there's a ton of value in keeping him because he's a great player and for all the reasons i just mentioned so if he were traded And he didn't get to see the other side of this ducks rebuild, which is when they're good again. Like that would kind of, that would be a little sad because he basically got all the bad and none of the good.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, completely agree. If I were to
0: bet though, if I were to bet on it, I don't think he's getting traded. I don't either. And and I, I and I personally like just in my heart of hearts, I wouldn't do it just because
1: I like the story. We have have bias here also. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, What I don't, think we know what terry's contract projection is because evolving hockey is it doesn't update
0: there there was one last year and i believe it was something like six by six something to that effect yeah i I don't think i don't think troy terry is gonna like this is i guess a good counter argument to to the idea of trading him is that he's not gonna break the like he's not gonna go get a 10 million av or anything like that and so Value-wise, he's he's still probably going to be a positive value player, even on his next contract, at least for the next yeah. few years.
1: Well, and they, they mentioned this on the last broadcast, and I think it was interesting that kind of they, they've given him the A with Admin reek out. And yeah, it was really emphasized, I feel like, in the media um, with that. And the fact that he's become, whether on purpose or not, he's become more vocal in the locker room, become more of a leader – And I mean, it really sounds like it's trending that way that may, I mean, Eric Stevens, I think said like the a looks good on him and maybe we see a different, uh, singular letter on his chest at some point. So the projection, this was last off season was eight by 6.7. Like
0: if it were eight years, it'd be 6.7. Yeah. Would you sign that contract? I wouldn't do eight. Would you do seven for 6 million?
1: where what's his age at the end of that contract i'm trying to think right now he'll be 26 plus seven so 34 i'd probably or want sorry that to be uh, I, I, 33 33 uh well you'll get 26 27 28 29 30 31 30 you'll get yeah so it will go through his age 32 season six right? million like, uh, with the cap going up at some point yeah I don't know if I would do eight years. I, I think the fact that he is older is why I wouldn't. I would easily do eight years for, for Trevor Zegris. I think I would skew more in the six or seven year range for for Trevor. Would, would you do six years?
0: So his six year projection is 5.5. Would you do six years like 7 million?
1: Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I, I think but, he's a positive value player for I think you do, years. You do him six times seven. You do tre- uh, Trevor Zegris eight times seven. You have them locked up at 14 mil for the next however many years. Like that's, and with the cap rising, like that's going to really be good. Yeah.
0: At the same time though, it's like when you start throwing those numbers around, it's like, man, you, you want, you might want to start being good at some point. If you start paying these guys what they're actually worth.
1: Yeah. And and that's where kind of starting to get into that next season. I mean, I I think that that that's going to be really important. If they draft Bedard, does that change anything
0: for you? In this Terry, th- this conversation,
1: we actually have a question about this. So, oh, okay, well, let's, let's get into questions then. Cause okay. we're,
0: we're running a bit up on time yeah. here.
1: So let's see. Uh, we got this question. Uh, this came from, I'm just trying to see when these came in. Okay. Shaken links put these questions. We're going to our Discord first. uh, Said, do you think Gibson will age quicker than most other goalies because of his injury history, uh, head stuff, and his style? His style meaning make the first save, let his athleticism do the rest compared to a goalie who is more technical.
0: I think it's very possible. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I like we we talked about the injury stuff, maybe wear and tear hits him. But yeah, I, I think that when you rely on athleticism or explosiveness, like that goes away as you get older. And goalies that are a bit more technical can maybe age a little bit better. And, and I so, just I
0: also just don't really trust for him to pivot to that technical approach.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh shaken wings also he also asked he has two more questions. Would you rather the ducks get young prospects nineteen to twenty two or draft picks? Picks.
0: Picks? I, I think well, tough because I, I would rather see them just to, for competitiveness sake get players on this roster, but we're I just talking the nineteen
1: you, and twenty-two year old prospects. Well, so I mean, recently who's tra- drafted. Who's trading those players in that age range, though? I mean, some play. Some teams might do that as compared to trading a first-round pick. I would
0: rather just give Martin Madden an at
1: bat. Okay, um, and he also said, "Give." I'm um, giving Jake his respect. He said Tampa would trade for a young player who has a con- who has conca- contract control. I mean, uh, if only if only it would have been Isaac Lundstrom. Lundstrom
0: for seven first-rounders. God,
1: would have been so good. Um, hey, all right, Isaac Lundstrom is lighting it up lately. I'm going to save these. Let's get through hockey. Then we have two from Lou. Lou, we're going to roast Felix a bit here. Um, but the Puff said, with all the early trade action going on, is Patty Beaks waiting too long to make a move? No. Yeah. I actually think that waiting works out well for him because I think a lot of these teams are starting to make their moves for these defensemen. And I don't actually think any of the ducks assets are the high priority assets. Even the, the good ones in Henrique and Klingberg, they're kind of more fallback guys from the Jacob Chickrens and things like that. Yep. And so you almost need those other deals to happen. And then by waiting, you're allowing yourself to, um, you're allowing yourself to essentially build up uh, or get the team to be desperate. And so you don't want to necessarily jump on it when a team is saying, "Oh, we're dealing with this. We're dealing with this. We'll we'll do this for him." And you kind of want to wait until that end period for this. When teams, yeah, are I mean desperate. that that
0: is a risky game to play in one sense because you could be left kneeling at the altar at the end with yep. nothing to show for it. So yep,
1: yep. there's kind of two sides we just, to a coin.
0: It's a black box. Like we don't really know what's going on, right? Yep. Despite all the reporting from various insiders.
1: Some more trustworthy than others. I mean, do we even consider that person an insider anymore? Zaboral? Yeah. Clifton? Yeah. All <laughs> right. Uh SP eighty four said is old Lou X two oh nine cooking? Lou's not here because late arrivals are recording right now, also. Yeah. We've got a battle going on. They're they're taking our, our, our audience. Yeah, Let's I mean we're, is. we're still doing just fine here. Uh Ducks Jackernaut <laughs> said, How much do the expectations of next season change between the results of getting Bedard and not getting Bedard? They change a lot if the Ducks get Connor
0: Bedard. Like that's like asking me basically if they get an Austin Matthews a hair short of a Connor McDavid, like does that change? Yes, it changes things. Do you if, think them getting Adam Fantilli changes things still? On the other side of that coin, I think it
1: still changes things yeah. modestly but just not to the same degree. I'd agree with that. I I do think things change. I think, and so I think whether they get Bedard Bedard or not, the fact that if they get a top three pick this year, things are changing. I think if they don't get, if they don't get a top three pick, then it's going to be a little bit more dire next season. I think think if they yeah, I agree with
0: that. If they don't get a top three pick next year, will be very, what Paverbeek does will be very interesting
1: um sean seabolt asked us i'm now going to twitter then we'll go to twitch and discord um said uh question for the pod if he was going to be signed what contract would you be comfortable signing klingberg to i don't think i would give him a contract (laughs) yeah i don't i mean three times maybe another
0: maybe another one-year deal (laughs) a one-year deal at five mil
1: yeah like i just i would not commit beyond a year to be quite honest with you and then Trevor Zebras uh, said two questions tonight. If you can get to them, if not, no worries. Could you see the Ducks getting a prospect of the level of Rutter Mc, uh, Rucker McRody or Brendan Brisson in a pa- possible package on Henrique at the deadline? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I I, I, like, I know that Vegas is very trigger happy with their prospects, but I mean, maybe like you know, Ivan Barbashev got a got Zach Dean out of there, so. Maybe, but I, I still don't see it. Just because you don't
1: see top prospects moved at the deadline,
0: yeah, it's, you just don't see it.
1: And then he said, with uh, a lot of lots of Gibson trade rumors circulating, could you guys see Gibson going to the Devils in the off season, potentially getting Jesper Brats RFA rights or someone like Alexander Holtz? I still, well, I, do, I don't see the Devils as a team that's going to do the star
0: goalie approach either. I see I them either. as doing as doing the Colorado model. So no,
1: yeah, I'd agree with that. right moving on so we'll get to twitch youtube please start throwing your questions in throw a question at the front i see some of the ones from earlier in youtube but if you want to re-highlight them and post them again that would be really helpful so yeah we're on youtube.com crash the pond where you can subscribe to our channel like all our videos it does help out significantly uh we're really trying to push our sub- uh, subscriber count up there so if you can go do that that'd be great even if you're not watching it there live um or if you want to watch us at twitch you can go to twitch.tv slash if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every month and it does help out more than you can imagine so you'll get special emotes in the chat special badges next to your name so we got this question uh from we have multiple jakes in our chat so i'm enjoying that <laughs> Uh, we have a Jake and we have a Jake M. But Jake asks, I haven't seen anyone mention trading uh, John Moore's contract for LTIR purposes. Pavurbek attempted it with the Dodonov trade last year. Any chance he gets dealt? If so, what's the value? Wait, did Pavurbek do that with Dodonov last year? The the John Moore and Ryan Kessler were included in the Dodonov trade. Yeah, but that was coming. That was going out, not yeah. coming in. That's yes. the point is, but yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I'm still confused on that deal in some ways, because when you're adding a guy on LTIR, it's not like you're just getting this like bonus cap space. You're well, adding You have, that, you have to you, have no cap space, basically. Well, it's not only that, but like people forget that you a- have to add that player's cap it to your cap sheet. So sure. You're able to go $8 million. Let's say you're, you're at the caps, uh, at the cap ceiling. And you go eight million dollars or you get a guy that's eight million dollars uh cap hit and he's able to be on LTIR, sure, you're able to go over the cap by eight mil then, but you've just gone over it by adding that guy's contract. So it doesn't really like add anything for you. And so that's what I didn't necessarily get unless it was just a pure money perspective thing of getting uh giving them Kessler and giving them um and giving more. them some other people. Yeah, and giving yeah. them more. And so, um, yeah, it just kind of I, – I don't really see anything necessarily there uh, to be able to to do anything.
0: Yeah. You know what's kind of interesting to me is we have heard nothing on Derek Grant. Like like nothing. I mean, we've heard nothing on a lot of the Ducks, though. Well, I mean, I feel like all of the noteworthy kind of trade chips we've heard something on. Like, we've held – we've heard something on Sam Carrick. True. We've um, heard something right.
1: on Nathan Beaulieu. Like, like what? Yeah. Matt Hendrickson, or M. Hendrickson61, asked, Question, if you were the GM, what kind of return, if any, would cause you to hold on to uh, our expiring assets instead of dealing them? Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like the on-ice play of guys like Klingberg and Kulikov, among others, is why we're firmly in the Bedard race in the first place. Perhaps <laughs> our impact, quote-unquote, <laughs> is worth more than another mid-round pick. I disagree
0: on the Kulikov front, at least. I think that you just need to give value for these guys. The Ducks are still going to be bad without them. Yes. They might be a little less bad, but hell, if you really want to solidify your tank positioning, trade John Gibson at all costs.
1: Yeah. I mean, like like trade John Gibson for a bag of pucks. We talked about this on the Patreon episode a bit last night, but for those of you that were out there, we didn't talk about this really throughout the show. For those of you out there that were kind of, Worrying, doomsdaying about the Ducks beating the Blackhawks, everything like that. I don't use money puck that much, but their deserved to win. O meter is kind of fun, and it just kind of takes into consideration expected goals, things like that. It had the Blackhawks at sixty-seven percent, like deserved yeah, to win. The like, Ducks got basically outplayed by an AHL level team. Like this is not a team that like deserved to necessarily win that game last night. It just so happened that they got a really good performance from Lucas Dostal. Peter Mrazek did not play that well. Slash, there was kind of a weird bounce that ended, resulted in the goal that went off of Max Domi on the, the crossbar shot from Troy Terry. So it, it's just, I, I don't think that the this is something to worry too much about. I mean, the Ducks are going to win games. Like, they're not going to It's going to happen. They're, they're not going to lose every game down the stretch. It's just not going to happen at all. So no. I, I just, I don't think it's something to worry about where every single time they win, this is like a huge indictment Sky's on the team. Sky's falling. Like, yeah, sure. They've won three in a row, but they're, or yeah, I think they've won three in a row, but they've played horrible. They're 31st. Well, they've played horrible and they've played horrible in those games. Like I just think people
0: people need to realize that just being last doesn't guarantee you
1: the top pick. So enough. It guarantees you top three, but yes. Um, all right. Uh, let's see Juan Pablo Uturbe said, can we get a good return for John Klingberg? Seeing as he's not having a good season. (sighs) Well,
0: depends what you think good is, but I I would I would think that the Ducks can get a third round pick for him, maybe a second round pick. And I if, think
1: they're easily getting a second, personally.
0: I don't know. I I don't know about that anymore. I I think it's possible, like I'm not ruling it out, but I think a third isn't play as well.
1: I think his especially his hot streak of late, I think that same type of thing as Gibson. I think that a first isn't completely out of the conversation. Oh, it take, is. No, oh, I I disagree there, but we'll see. I I think regardless, no matter what they end up doing, I think that like getting anything back from him is gonna be good. Um, and then Matt said, would it be telling if Zegers only got a bridge? Either think he can get more down the road line, or he wants the uh, option to eventually leave. I don't think it would be telling at all. I I think there are plenty well, of players. A bridge that end is up, a year. So. A bridge is like a year or two. And so there's no way they'll do a four year deal. I could see them doing a year or two deal. I think. But is that, that a bridge though? Because he can be a UFA after next season. No, he can't. Really? Why do you say? Think... Why do you think he can be a UFA after next season? Because he's 20s 20... gonna be twenty six. We're talking about Trevor Zegers. Oh,
0: sorry. I thought you said Troy Terry. No, no, Trevor Zegers. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. Tre... No. Trevor
1: Zegers cannot be
0: a UFA after no. next
1: season. No. <laughs> yeah. So I. I mean, I could see him getting a two-year deal, uh, two-year bridge out of it. Oh. Okay. And, and the the thought process there being new coach wants to boost his value, get more money at the end of it all. And so it just comes down to whether he's willing to deal with that uncertainty or take the guaranteed money. What is the
0: track record of guys getting bridge contracts and ultimately sticking around long-term? Sticking around long-term? I mean, we'll see with Elias Patterson. I feel like it's not great. I'm thinking of like Patrick Line, for example.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a similar how, situation. How, how you, Bad coach. How do you consider the 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 Getzloff and Perry second contracts? Well, that's that's almost so long ago now that I don't know if it's completely relevant. And they were five
0: year deals. Yeah, that's that's irrelevant. So I don't know. Like I would be mildly concerned if it was like I'm not. It's not a death knell on his long term, you know, stay in Anaheim, but it's not like a great development.
1: Yep. I mean, uh, hell, if if I, I were disagree to, there, but but if I I. I, I Go ahead. If
0: I were Trevor Zegers, I would want a bridge deal because I'm like, I don't trust you guys long term. You haven't shown me anything thus far.
1: Give me a real coach. See, you and I approach this a little bit differently. I don't view it like that. I view it in the sense of he wants to make uh, essentially do a bit more there to boost his value and get a higher contract. But I think if you're the Ducks, that's why you offer him seven and a half mil, right? Like maybe it could have been hot. Maybe it's higher at the end of it, but. It's just, that's a shit ton of money that you're guaranteeing him.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if he turns down that seven and a half number, what would he have to do in two years to get him beyond that point per game at least? Yeah. Which he could possibly do.
1: It's not out of the question. I mean, what did Austin Matthews do? Austin Matthews did like an an in-between. He did a five-year deal or six-year deal that took him to UFA status.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe he kind of takes a page out of that book, but will be interesting
1: to follow. Yep. Um, All right. Uh, Last one left said, "Will Ian Moore sign with the Ducks. So Ian Moore, I believe, has another year because he didn't go straight to college. Um, So there's another year for his signing rights. Uh, So don't really know where that's at and where he's going to be. But I believe there's one more year before kind of he could become a free agent. Um, Sean fight said, will we retain any salary this year? Was hoping to get assets for cap space. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they're going to be a third party team, but I think it's going to be, um, I, I think they may retain on their own players. Yeah. I think um, they should retain on their own players. Yeah. Reagan Gonzalez said, what can the ducks learn from the Oilers about how to build around generational talent? They have eight years of McDavid and just one conference final. What can we expect Eight, if the Ducks get Bedard for eight years of him,
0: well, I think the Ducks are automatically in a better position than the Oilers because they have already more talent around. Uh, they would already have more talent around Bedard. Although, I mean, could you could you debate whether you know Drysaddle trumps everything else? Well, that the Ducks I was could also offer?
1: about. I was also about to jump in. Is remember when that they when the Oilers draft McDavid, they had Taylor Hall, and they're just <laughs> like they're they. Like, they were a stacked team, right? And so I think kind of if you're looking at that roadmap, like, I think you can't make any dumb, like, decisions like that where you do Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, right? I I think the one thing the Ducks have going for them is I think they have more on the back end than the Oilers did in those prospect years. Like, Justin Schultz was their prime prospect on the blue line, and I don't think they really had anyone over that time period that was going to be in the mold of potentially, like, a... uh, like a Pavel Minchukov um, or an Olin Selweger, like I think the Ducks or even a Jamie Drysdale. And so I think the Ducks are in a bit of a better spot from that perspective. And I think they also have the high end forward talent to go along with him. So I I think if we're trying to learn about what to do, I think you almost, you can learn about what not to do. Don't trade Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Yeah. And, And I think don't bring in, like don't make these dumb moves in terms of overvaluing like a Milan Lucic. Right? Yeah, but I don't think that's that doesn't seem like that's gonna happen with this franchise. No, but but I'm saying if you wanna look at that as a as a roadmap of what not to yeah. do. Don't hire Milo... P- don't hire Peter Shirelli. <laughs> don't hire Peter Shirelli, don't hire Ken Holland. Don't overvalue dumb players. Where like... in the world is Peter Shirelli now? Is he with Saint Louis? Oh, that's right. He is with the blues. Yeah. He's yeah.
0: their vice president of hockey ops.
1: Yeah. All Man. right. All right, we're going to end the pod with this though. Okay. It's time to to put you at the stake. <laughs> Am I not always? This yeah. is this this is me and Lou bringing this up. In our Discord, in our food and drink channel, I believe it was a day or two ago, you decided to drop the bomb that pizza is meh. Would you like to defend yourself?
0: Show me the evidence. Show me where I said that.
1: I would you don't don't give me that. Defend your. Why do you believe pizza is mad? I'm giving you an open forum to defend yourself. Well, you're asking me to defend something that
0: I may or may not have said. You you did say it. I'll I'll try to defend the argument in a hypothetical. There was you deleted the message, so (laughs) unconfirmed. Go on. No record. Go on. No record of this. Um, In a hypothetical world where I would hold that opinion, how would I defend the argument? Hmm. There's a lot of shitty pizza out there, number one. Number two, pizza is not a good standalone meal. Like, it's just a bunch of carbs. You know, you need to get heavy meat to have any kind of protein, and the protein's usually not gonna be there. So, like, yeah, pizza's really tasty, and good pizza is great but a lot of pizza is just downright awful and just from a pure like is this going to satisfy me pizza usually doesn't satisfy me i need to like eat an entire pizza to feel like i actually ate a meal so no i i think that there's definitely valid arguments you can raise against pizza in a hypothetical world where you would think pizza is meh
1: which i'm unconfirmed to live in there can be any food can be awful like that argument just doesn't... There's a lot like, of it, though. There's a disproportionate amount that does of not, awful pizza. There can be bad Mexican food. There, there is be, a lot of bad There can Mexican be bad food. pasta.
0: But see, bad like, pasta... Like, bad bad pasta is still better than bad pizza.
1: No, bad pizza is still fine. Like, bad pizza no, is bad still pizza delicious. No, bad pizza is like,
0: I'd rather toss it. It's oh not my. delicious. And, Little and Caesars from, is not and, delicious. like,
1: using the argument of, like, the protein thing, like, what? Yeah. What? It's not a real meal. We're talking about it's, it's, something. It's a carbo like, blast. So what? That's
0: that is the so what.
1: Like, do you like like a sandwich? I'm <laughs> triggered. Sal- I am. Like, cause there are <laughs> sandwiches that are like that don't have enough meat that it's just mainly a carbo blast. Like, this is an awful, awful take. Pizza is one <laughs> of the pure joys in the world. I am for whatever reason this afternoon craving a pizza. Here's the thing,
0: if you get a legit pizza with veggies, with meat, with all of that, then yes, you're you're closer to my ideal pizza, but that just so rarely happens. People want any people want fucking like pineapple on their Pineapple's pizza.
1: Pineapple's delicious disgusting. on pizza. Pineapple, Throw like pizza, is so good. Throw that like, out. A Costco pizza is delicious. You can go get a Neapolitan pizza that's way like just a. a like I said, there, a, a I, margarita I, I, I pizza. I don't pizza deny that's, that there's good. so fluffy. The crust is so Show good. Show me can where get a I New said. New York slice that that's falling apart.
0: Hell, even a deep dish pizza is good. Show me where I said pizza is like never tasty. I you literally said it's said, meh. I but sp- did have you just tuned me out the last three minutes? That I you spoke? said it's meh. <laughs> what did I also say? Did I or did
1: I not just say that pizza can be very tasty? Sure.
0: Okay. But it's not meh
1: overall. I'm I'm will you rescind your pizza is meh statement? Nope. Come so at me. Then then okay. All right. The other thing that you're on the, the trial for, that you're on the stand for, is you said nachos are bad. Would you and? like to defend yourself again? Most also, thank you, Dan Grimshaw, who just subscribed for 23 months.
0: Sorry, I'm, I'm eating some uh, maple glazed and smoked salmon bites. 100% wild-caught salmon. Not a sponsor. Check them out. Um, what was the question? Oh, nachos. I will say this. More than 50% of the nachos that are out there are actually terrible. They get soggy. There's just the the toppings are just low quality. That the, It's like that it's like that fake guacamole that's more like a paste than just like, you know, smashed up avocados with the different veggies. There's so much bad nachos out there. And then let's say you do get good nachos, right? Let's, let's live in that hypothetical for a second. Um, Nachos are really impractical to eat. Like I would, I wish there was a way you could eat them with a fork because it's just, you, you get all messy. The cheese gets all like stuck it's just not a. It's not that great of an experience.
1: <laughs> Have you never had like good nachos? I've like, had. I've I, had what people would consider
0: good nachos. I. I.
1: I was at. Uh. I was at Golden Road, the one in Anaheim, like a month or so ago, and got their nachos. And I like those types of nachos with kind of this like perfectly melted like white queso on it, and, and meat and pickled onions. I just got. A, just got a great question in the chat. Which continue your point. And, and, I mean, once again, same thing as a pizza. There's so many different ways to do it. Ballpark nachos are great. The fact, the ones in the helmet that you can get, the angel's hat ones. (laughs) With the, the the, 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 like, cheese whiz topping. Yeah. Or you can get, yeah, like I said, the the gourmet style. Or, hell, just go to a little Mexican food spot and just get, like, nachos with cheese and and carne asada and onions and cilantro. (laughs) Oh, so, like... These are just pure joys in life. And they're <laughs> like horrible places that like still can put it like it's just so good. So good. So this is a great question from D.B. Lowry
0: asking, are asada fries a better alternative to nachos? Yes. I mean, asada fries are also good. But they are a better alternative to nachos because different. you can no better. They're different. Quantitatively, qualitatively, objectively. You're talking about a fried better.
1: chip versus a potato.
0: Here's the thing. They're different. You can eat it with a fork. I don't have to get messy eating asada fries. I've
1: eaten nachos with a fork before. It's not that hard.
0: I'm sure you got weird looks doing that.
1: No, I didn't. (laughs) I'm sure you did. You just tuned them out. Did a trade happen? Did it? I don't know. I feel like I may have seen... Let, Let let's me pull see. up Twitter. But yeah, pineapple and pizza is great. You are absolutely oh, there it is. insane. What's the trade? Corpusallo, Gavrikov,
0: LA. For wow. word is one of the pieces in return will be Jonathan
1: Quick. Jonathan Quick is retiring as a blue jacket. <laughs> to the blue Man, it's like getting <laughs> banished to Siberia. Like he's going to wow.
0: <laughs> imagine spending your entire career living in like Manhattan Beach or whatever and he winning. was going to be in the playoffs like no disrespect to Ohio but like you know it's it's when you when when you're used to la Ohio is like, for lovers for lovers it's a song oh, okay that's very confused for half a second there
1: yeah
0: wow dude they traded Jonathan Co- like that is that is heartless I kind of love it <laughs> All right, uh,
1: let's see. Yeah, Elliot Freeman saying with LA Columbus working on Koprasalo Gavrikov deal. Word is one of the piece in return will be Jonathan Quick. Uh, a first round pick will also be involved. Holy shit! How is, how did the Blue Jackets get a first for Gavrikov? Just wow. How uh, many years left did Quick have? Was this a final year? Was he? I think done? it is.
0: Yeah, I think it is. Let me see. Man, I can't believe they traded Jonathan Quick. I'm actually—is this this the best deadline that we've had? Here's the thing: he is a free agent, so I would argue yes. But here's the thing with Quick: does he get traded again? Does he end up going to another team that's a contender? I how he's been bad this year, but he's you know he's Jonathan Quick, quote unquote. He's still been really bad. I know. Oilers, no man. Oh, man, this is craziness. I just, like, I, man, I can't believe they traded Jonathan Quick. I'm I'm actually, I never thought I'd see that day. Pat- Patrick Kane is a, a New York Ranger. Jonathan Quick is a Columbus Blue Jacket. Can, can you imagine like, you know, four years ago, five years ago, saying that Jonathan Quick will one day get traded for Jonas Corposalo and Jonas Corposalo <laughs> will be seen as the better goalie in the deal?
1: Isn't Jonas Corpusalo having a garbage year?
0: Yeah, that's the funny thing is that Corpasalo is actually not like living up to his uh, kind of this like underrated goalie like credential or reputation. Also, by the way, also by the way, just putting this out there, there's a lot of Kings insiders out there.
1: (laughs) They never break anything.
0: (laughs) I'm I was wondering saying. where you're going,
1: but I know, and now I know exactly who you're talking. They about. never break anything. Baby, stop calling yourself an insider. All right. The one thing I request now, if Jonathan Quick wants to really stick it to the Kings after this, right? He should go there and have an awesome end of the year, and help the Ducks get the uh, the best odds <laughs> in the draft. I, I I don't know if that's <laughs> that's how he's thinking.
0: Man, I'm I'm actually shocked that Quick didn't have a no move or anything on his contract.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Frank, Frank Valley confirming. Yeah, they've traded quick to uh, to Columbus. Wow,
0: that is actually wild. Why are they getting Gavrikov? Like that's such a nothing. Gavrikov for them.
1: is so bad. Well, I don't know
0: if he's bad, but it's just like they, that's just not a need for them on the blue well, Sorry, line. let me rephrase that. He's so overvalued. He's overvalued. Corpusalo is the is the big piece here. No, and, and, I don't think so. Man. Shocking.
1: Yeah, I mean, Curtis in our chat saying Corpusel has actually been good this year. Um, has he? It, it's Elvis Merzlikens has been the one that's been having a rough go of it. I'm curious where he ends up at. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's he's 10.18 expa- or GSAX. So I rescind my statement there. He's having okay. a good season. Yeah, you take it back. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that back. He, he's been much better than I thought. So... Uh, yeah, I think we probably should wrap this up before another trade breaks, I guess. Well,
0: now I kind of hope we
1: can catch another one in these last three, four minutes. Dying minutes. Anything else? Lou throw a food take in our chat. How about that? Lou? Um, anyone have a food take they want to get out? We have this, sorry, we have this question from Matt. I'll, we'll go to this. Where's the ducks talent and why haven't they shown themselves? Great junior players in their D plus one and D plus two years. Nice, but maybe overstated. I, I think the issue is the guys that were taken in that, mul- that range that had nice D plus one D plus two years. We're talking about the Sam steals of the world, the max Joneses of the world, even the max Comtois. Like I think these were guys kind of taken by the last regime. And while Zellweger is that also, or maybe he's talking about a make maybe a, a, a Jacob pro. And I think it's just, they're developing. And so I think we're the ducks are in a good spot where, I think specifically this last draft was one that they gained a bunch of depth. Yeah, and I think there are going to be guys starting to break into the league in the next little bit. And so I think it, it's frustrating that, that the Braden Tracys and the Jacob Perreaults aren't there yet. Like, you'd ideally want to see that. But it seems like things are trending. I think you also can't forget um, the COVID season happened. And, like, when we're talking about development, right? And we're talking about development of a Jacob Pro. We're talking about Brayden Tracy, like that has to screw it up a bit, right?
0: Yeah, like I agree. It, it's
1: a little bit of the human element there, but I, I think that does play a little bit of a part and something that kind of has to be at least somewhat accounted for. I don't know if you can use that as a crux, but I think it's just part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I th- there's there's a whole lot there. I'm sorry, I'm still reeling from this, this trade. Like, I could tell. I don't know why I. I don't know why, because it's not really, like, a big trade in the... grand, But it's John the Quick. Like, I mean... It's just a big name. It's like when Patrick Kane was traded today. Like, it kind of sucked because it's been so drawn out, and we actually had... We kind of knew he was going to New York, yeah. but... I don't know if you... You probably didn't read it yet, but there was an article by... Was it um, Lazarus? By, yeah, Lazarus, about the trade with Kane, and, man, he really stiff-armed the, the Hawks. Like... He didn't tell them he wanted a trade until this last weekend.
1: And I mean, it's he like was playing pretty poorly before.
0: Yeah, but this. he's he's for sure wanted out for much longer than three days.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Come on. <laughs> I mean, I think what they did is they they did that to dry up the market so that basically corner or sorry,
1: corner the market so that it would just be to the Rangers. Maybe. I mean, he also had full control. Where if he wanted to just be the Rangers, like that could be where it is. Uh, Winterborne says it's because when the players of that ilk get traded, it's signifying an end of an era. Yeah, I mean, oh, and also what was interesting in
0: the uh, article was that Patrick Kane, like I guess, took it personally that the that the Blackhawks were rebuilding and that they traded all his friends in the team, like Dylan Strom and Alex DeBrincat. It's like, dude, you're getting paid twelve million dollars a year. Do you just expect the team to be good or trying to make the playoffs forever just because you're on the team like it's a little bit of kind of bizarre world expectations to me like look at where the team is at what how are they supposed to salvage this
1: yep 100 uh lou uh just put in our twitch chat that he had a hot take he said on uh late arrivals as we're trying to really draw this out to see the final details of the trade. He's saying there's caveats to this, but he's starting a sour on In-N-Out. He is, or or, or Later Rivals is turning off. He is. Lou
0: is. <laughs> Maybe sometimes with In-N-Out, I agree that sometimes you just kind of have an experience that's a little less satisfying. That
1: That indicates you need to take a break for a little bit oh man I had such a good in and out experience this past like, weekend
0: like yeah when it's good it's great but sometimes like when it's ordinary you just need to take a step back and like just eat something else
1: uh let's see yeah I, there's still nothing I'm seeing one from from someone that we will not mention on this show uh, piggyback yeah a little bit a little bit of a piggybacker over there <laughs> uh <laughs> That's good inside joke. People are just oh, calling. Mark,
0: someone. What? Oh no, never mind. Sorry, I thought there was a tweet
1: confirming or adding.
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean,
1: all right. Does Listen, this affect look, the Ducks? I mean, the Blue Jackets probably got worse.
0: No, no, no. I mean, like in terms of the the trade returns that they could get. I mean we we don't know the return
1: yet so it's hard.
0: Well, if if there's a first round pick and you assume that the first round pick is for Gavrikov? Oh wow. What? Linus Olmark just made it had a career had a career high 54 saves in the Bruins overtime win.
1: Oh yeah, I saw something that the Bruins just got absolutely just taken Yeah, they it.
0: were getting outshot 41 to 9 at one point.
1: Yeah, by the way, Here's flames. here's a little hot take for you.
0: I don't think the Bruins are like slam dunk Stanley Cup champion like odds
1: on favorites. No, I mean they're having a ridiculous regular season.
0: They're but... having a ridiculous regular season. If you look at the standings, and yes, that's important. You know, that's that's how these things get judged. But like, if you look at the five on five numbers, like they're very good, but they're they're
1: kind of just in this big pack of teams that are really good in that yeah. respect. Yep. So yeah. Like, I don't think it's, like, completely out of the question that the Maple Leafs or the Lightning beat them.
0: No. I mean, it's 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 completely in question whether they actually get out of the
1: East. So Yeah. yeah. Funny tweet I mean, from w- Dom. The, Upgrade the, button. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's wrap this thing up.
0: I really just love the fact that the LA Kings, like, legit have, like, their own sponsored LA Kings insider, like, Website or whatever, and it just gets scooped left and right. So, yep. Elliot Friedman scooping, scooping, scooping end of an era in L.A. tonight. Yeah. Arash Markazi chiming in our boy. Good friend. Arash friend of the show. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm tired. I don't know if you guys can see, but I have dark circles under my eyes. I'm tired. We need some sleep. I'm sure Jake is tired, too. Thanks Mm -hmm. for listening, though. This has been a crazy week. I feel like I feel like time is just like a flat circle right now. Like somehow it's only Tuesday, um, but there's so much more to so much more to happen, so much more to see. Excited to talk to you guys next time, Jake. Make a prediction. Next time we talk to our listeners here, our, our esteemed, awesome, listeners, what will have happened? Predict the future. Look into your crystal ball.
1: Uh, John Gibson is no longer a duck.
0: <laughs> Wowzers. I will not go that far. Go, you know, go big or go home. I I like it though because that's... Jonathan
1: Quick is no longer a king. Like, yeah, yeah, if there's but, a dead, if there's a deadline for GMs to get crazy. But Jonathan Quick was a pending UFA. Anyway, if uh, if there's a, de- a, a, a trade deadline, Matthias Ekholm is no longer a Nashville Predator.
0: Okay, uh, I will not go that far. Just to let you kind of have that. Okay, I will say Contois, Klingberg Kulikov. And yes, Kevin Shattenkirk are gone. Okay. And do I want to, have to trade anyone else now? I'll I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll stay there. I'll hold. Yeah. Oh, Adam Henrique. Adam Henrique is gone as well. Okay. And I will predict that in all of that, the Ducks get back a first-round pick somewhere in there. Yep. Going very bold there, bolder mm-hmm. than you.
1: Okay. Why? Wow. <laughs>
0: All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to help keep supporting the show, so that we can keep doing this, keep bring. I really want to do this podcast, and the ducks are good. You know, like we cause... have we have, we have had one playoff run. Like I legitimately enjoy. And they got doing... swept. I, I legitimately enjoyed doing this. It's it's fun for me, but it would be nice to cover games like meaningful games. You want it to be about the hockey. So anyway. That's a total aside, but if you want to help support us, help us get there, uh, there's some very easy ways for you to do that. The number one way, Patreon, and especially this month, Patreon is a is a really helpful tool. I think because for a dollar a month, you get access to our uh, patrons-only Discord server, which is basically a Twitter replacement. You don't need Twitter if you have our Discord. We have an actual channel in there for news updates, so you can just go in there and see what the latest updates is are without going onto Twitter. Or you could just go into our Hockey Talk channel, connect with a bunch of other die-hard Ducks fans and people that kind of share our sense of humor. Let's call it that. Um, it's just a really fun place. People really seem to enjoy it. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud that we've built a little community there. Yep. That's, for, that's for $1 a month. Um, now, for $5 a month, you get access to that plus two bonus episodes. And... This month, we already have, well, it's the 28th, but we have two bonus episodes up, and they're both giving you our extended thoughts on all the trades that have happened so far. And we're going to do another one next month covering all the trades that will happen by the deadline. So really worth it. And that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Also, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just search Crash the Pond and leave a five-star rating. We would really appreciate that. That goes a long way. Uh, more than you can imagine. You can also do that on Spotify. Leave a five-star rating there. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. We have a video version of the show, which, you know, some people prefer listening to podcasts on in video format. I am not one of them, but if you are, we've got you covered. YouTube.com slash Crash the Pond. Turn on your notifications there. And check out the Sporting Tribune. SportingTribune.com. I've been a little quiet lately, but I do plan on having some breakdowns in the next week post-deadline. So I'm very yep. excited to do that. And follow our good buddy Derek Lee, who is covering the Ducks for the Sporting Tribune and, honestly, right now is the the best Ducks beat writer, in my opinion. Yep. And he's got a lot of great updates. Just follow him. I think it's at Lee 27 DRock
1: on... I-E-E.
0: Oh. Oh, it's I-E-E. Wow. It's an that I. Is, that it's is an I. That is a fast one. Okay. Yeah. Check him out. Check out Jake. Uh, at Ranger Games ninety one, almost in ninety eight. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, thank you if you think I'm I'm not <laughs> <that> young. <laughs> I'm shaving off a few years there. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it must be the shave. It's the it's the manscape. There we go. Yeah. Uh, check out check out manscaped. User code. It'll be in the description of the show. And I'm on Twitter. Just search Felix Card. That will do it for. Oh wow. There's a another update. I was almost done. I'll just read this tweet and you can so react close to say Jonathan quick is unhappy with the trade. I'm told is an understatement. <laughs> wow. Wow. How will this, I can't wait till we get more, more tea. Uh, on this. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. Everyone. Have a great week. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye.